Welcome to Quanta Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. Rogue waves on the ocean can swamp ships from out of nowhere. They were thought to be caused by two different mechanisms, but a new idea has the potential to predict them all. Two weeks before Christmas in 1978, the cargo ship MS München encountered a fierce storm in the North Atlantic. The captain couldn't evade it, but the ship was more than two and a half times the length of a football field, so the forecasted waves and winds shouldn't have been a threat. At midnight, an operator radioed to a cruise ship, have a good trip and see you soon. Three hours later, the München put out a distress call. Then, silence. The West German vessel and its 28-person crew vanished. They left behind four lifeboats, three shipping containers, and a handful of flotation devices. One clue in particular stumped investigators. A recovered lifeboat was originally bolted to the München about 65 feet above the water. It appeared to have been ripped from that perch by a tremendous force hurtling toward the ship's stern. Rumors circulated that a monstrous wave had crashed onto the deck from above, but such a swell was, at the time, unthinkable. West Germany's Maritime Board of Inquiry eventually declared it impossible to explain the cause of the sinking. Mariners have known for centuries what researchers have documented only in recent decades. The ocean is a far more dangerous place than common sense would suggest. Data-driven researchers long struggled to square sailors' tales of monstrous rogue waves with the expectation that wave heights vary like human heights. They cluster around an average, with a few outliers dotting the thin tails of a bell curve. Sure, you might get a wave twice as tall as its neighbors, in theory, but you'd have to watch the seas for a long time. That skepticism changed New Year's Day in 1995 when a rogue wave struck the Dropner oil installation in the Norwegian North Sea. The platform was equipped with a downward-pointing laser. It recorded an 85-foot wave. Normally, waves in this area were around 38 to 39 feet tall. This was a nautical Bigfoot caught in a high-resolution snapshot— This hard evidence turned maritime myth into fact. Researchers have since determined that rogue waves probably claimed 22 supercarriers and more than 500 lives in the second half of the 20th century alone. The Dropner wave spurred physicists to understand exactly how these solitary freak waves might arise. Researchers have since come up with two main theories— Each can describe how large waves form in laboratory wave pools, but debate rages as to which matters more in the ocean. Now, a group of applied mathematicians reports that they found a way to sidestep the fight over the specific mechanism and focus on predicting the outcome. This paves the way for machinery that could scan the ocean and notify ship captains that they face a chance of running into one of these huge waves in the next 15 minutes. The work implies that impossible waves of all flavors may share a unified fundamental character. 
Eric Vanden Einden is an applied mathematician at New York University's Courant Institute of Mathematical Studies. He helped develop the statistical framework. You could imagine that a rogue wave of 100 meters, 30 meters in the ocean could happen in many different ways. But the answer is no. In Dropner's wake, two schools of thought surfaced regarding how monstrous waves could develop. The first is the simplest. It starts with the observation that swells travel at different speeds. When one overtakes another, the two are combined. If a number of swells happen to overlap at the same place at the same time, a rogue wave results. But the component waves always act completely independently of each other. Francesco Fidella, an ocean engineer at the Georgia Institute of Technology, says you might have seen this so-called linear addition mechanism if you've seen a boat in the water. In the ocean, longer waves travel faster than shorter waves. If you notice a streak generated by a moving boat, you see that the longer patterns, they're always ahead of the shorter ones. It's just the god fortune playing dice with the ocean. Oceanographers have long used this approach to calculate the chance that a wave of a given height will arise. But that forecasting method is controversial because it seems to underestimate the likelihood of monsters like Drochner. Some researchers, like Fidella, think we can save the traditional method. In 2016 research, he and his colleagues concluded that modifying wave equations to include pointed crests and rounded troughs is enough to explain all ocean waves. Normally, wave equations treat crests and troughs as smooth sinusoidal curves. But others think the most extreme waves form from less straightforward behavior. For instance, in wave tanks, when one wave travels right next to another of similar length, energy leaks from one to the other. The individual swells affect one another in complicated, nonlinear ways. This is captured in the nonlinear Schrodinger equation, oceanography's bread and butter wave model. And yes, its apparent connection to quantum theory is not incidental. Subatomic particles, after all, behave like waves. The equation is impossible to solve perfectly in most cases, but numerical explorations have revealed that when the conditions are right, waves actively gather of their own accord. Here's Vanden Einden again. The waves interact with one another, and they have a tendency to actually conspire to create something big. The effect is known as nonlinear focusing. But could it have sunk the München? Linear wave supporters like Fidela say no. They argue that waves in tanks are confined, but waves in the open ocean spread out before they can congregate. Other researchers say we don't know the real ocean well enough to answer the question. They say certain winds might mimic the conditions in wave tanks, creating rogue wave breeding grounds. In the real world, both mechanisms could be relevant, says Amin Shabshaub, a wave physicist at the University of Sydney. He co-authored a review of the debate. We came to the conclusion, after evaluating hundreds of papers, that actually the dominant mechanism at play depends at the situation. Linear addition explains some rogue waves, but it underestimates their likelihood in special circumstances, where nonlinear approaches appear to work better. In some cases, both mechanisms may work together to push waves to impossible heights. 
Now, researchers may not have to figure out which mechanism is responsible. Vanden Einden and his colleagues have developed a one-size-fits-all statistical framework, which they published last December in Physical Review X. It predicts the probability of encountering any rogue wave, regardless of how it came to be. Tom Vanden Brimmer is a fluid dynamicist at the University of Oxford who wasn't involved in the study. Really, there's no restriction. You can apply it to a linear propagation model or to an nonlinear propagation model, or as I say, to a man riding on a donkey. Vanden Brimmer says the type of model doesn't matter. Vanden Einden says the trick to describing rogue waves universally is to understand that extremely rare events have a logic all their own. Consider gambling. A casino would be wise to carry enough cash to cover a situation where one player won three straight roulette bets using a lucky number, since a three-spin hot streak is likely to happen every 50,000 visits, but it can safely ignore the possibility of 10 straight wins. That would require, on average, 100 trillion spins. When it comes to uncommon events, you can estimate odds fairly accurately by focusing on the least rare event, rather than tallying up every possible outcome. This exhaustive thinking captures the spirit of a branch of probability known as Large Deviation Theory, or LDT. It specializes in identifying instances of rare events that are much more common than the next most likely way they might play out. In the exceptional cases when LDT can be used, Vanden Einden says it allows calculations that are impossible with standard statistics. This is the same way that calculus can solve problems that are hard to deal with in algebra. Vanden Einden's group reasons that the chaotic ocean should be the perfect arena to witness LDT in action. A small wave might arise in any number of ways, but rogue waves are special. If you witness one, you know that everything went perfectly to create that wave. It's the nautical equivalent of hitting your number three times in a row in roulette. Other evolutions might be theoretically conceivable, like a 10-spin hot streak, but improbable in practice. To forecast the chance of an ordinary wave developing into an extreme outlier, you need to find the one special, but not impossible, path where nothing will get in its way. The mathematicians first tested their framework in 2018. They applied LDT to the nonlinear Schrodinger equation, or NLSE, on digitally generated waves. The researchers asked the computer for random sets of waves satisfying certain C-states, each with a characteristic range of heights and wavelengths. They then used the NLSE to peek into the future of each C. They used LDT to focus on which would be most likely to generate a wave that would hit an extreme height. As they hoped, they found that for a given type of digital C, only one specific pattern of initial ripples tended to grow into a rogue wave. Next came physical waves. The mathematicians approached Miguel Onorato, a wave physicist at the University of Turin in Italy. He had spent the early 2000s recreating rogue waves in one of Europe's largest wave experiments, a nearly 270-meter-long flume in Norway. He showed that some outliers developed linearly, some non-linearly. 
and some in both ways. Onorado's data set spanned a variety of artificial and one-dimensional seas, each randomly generated by a wave maker. For each trial, the group knew only high-level statistical properties, such as the typical wave height. This is the imperfect information you could imagine gathering from weather stations or ship-mounted sensors. But those rough statistics were enough. Large deviation theory boils down to an optimization problem that predicts the typical path an aspiring rogue wave has to follow to reach a certain height. It worked. The researchers found the highest laboratory waves closely traced out the framework's prediction. This supported their assumption that the most dangerous waves have almost no flexibility in how they develop. Tobias Grafke is a mathematician at the University of Warwick in the UK and a co-author of the work. If events happen, they happen along the same trajectory. If miniature sailors and a toy boat had been sailing in Onorato's wave tank, they would have been wise to heed the team's forecasts. The vast majority of seas did not produce any waves high enough to be considered rogue, but 300 or so did. And on average, each type of rogue wave developed as LDT predicted, even with no assumptions as to how it formed. The framework also let the group take a description of an initial sea state and use it to predict whether an extreme wave would develop. Such a prediction would be simple for a godlike figure who knew the perfect position of every initial ripple. But neither linear nor nonlinear theory has been able to make good predictions from a rough description of a general sea state. This one was. To some scientists, that was a startling find. That ability to estimate the worst-case scenario is exactly what ocean engineers need to know. Insurers require companies to test ships and oil platforms in wave basins. But time in tanks is pricey, and the new framework could cut down on lengthy brute force tests. Vanden Bremer says they want to run something representative of a 10,000-year event. We don't want to run a, like a 24-hour smoke around the waves. Vanden Bremer says this is an important way of beginning to run those representative events. Others find it less novel. Fidela says it represents a rediscovery of results he published in 2007, in which he extended a statistical approach developed by oceanographer Paolo Boccati. The authors of the recent research believe their work more fully encompasses nonlinear behavior. The framework has its limits. It can't capture effects like currents and winds, and it allows waves to grow to any height. These are consequences of its reliance on the nonlinear Schrödinger, or NLS, equation, which doesn't include these effects either. Here's ocean engineer Francesco Fadella talking with reporter Charlie Wood. NLS doesn't have any breaking. There's still research going on. At this point, we want to believe that this NLS shockwave can occur in the ocean. We need to explain that there is a possibility that there is some hidden mechanism that inhibits breaking, and it will let this wave grow unbounded. That I found it very hard to believe according to the observations that we see. I mean, waves break. Thanks, yeah. God. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, we, we, we would... I mean, you don't want to be in an NLS ocean, okay? Our oceans are more uh, quiet and nicer. The authors, including Vanden Einden, say their tools are portable and that the NLSE engine can be swapped out for other wave theories with more bells and whistles. 
like building a car. I mean, the car is quite complicated to do, but once you have done it, well, you can build another car the same way. The most urgent modification will be to swap out the theoretical guts for a model that allows waves to spread freely in the open ocean instead of being confined to a wave flume. Honorado is preparing for the next step, seeking more complete measurements of wild waves. Buoys and lasers measure the rise and fall of just one spot in a large field, making it hard to distinguish between linear and nonlinear formation. Honorado says we don't have the full history. We don't know one kilometer before what was the wave like and what it's going to be after. If we knew that, then we would be able to tell if it's a linear or nonlinear mechanism. To capture waves in all their expansive glory, he stuck two stereoscopic cameras to the upper deck of an icebreaker as it sailed across the rough southern ocean from Cape Town to Antarctica in 2017. He and two colleagues recorded two weeks of sea conditions, including a cyclone. Alessandro Toffoli, an oceanographer who participated in the voyage, says it was quite the adventure. A lot of wind was so strong that every time we had to go out to look at the camera or clean uh, screen, you really had to hold very, very tight against the handrail. There was a fear of just being blown away. They're analyzing the videos, subtracting the bucking motion of the boat and extracting the shifting ocean surface from seven terabytes of data. The group has taken only a preliminary look at the water shortly before the cycle hit, but nonlinear focusing appears to have played a key role in wave formation that day. Honorado has also begun checking if the LDT framework sinks or swims in the Antarctic seas. He says it looks promising. Sailors facing an imminent storm didn't have years to study the growing waves around them, but the new framework represents small steps toward the long-term goal for rogue wave prediction. Someday, it could lead to machinery that scans the ocean and sounds the alarm when it's time to batten down the hatches. LDT tools, once they're modified for the open ocean, could be one way for those on boats like the Munchen to know the moment a rogue wave starts coming together. Matt Carlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Charlie Wood's full article, The Grand Unified Theory of Rogue Waves, on our website, quantamagazine.org. Why doesn't our universe make sense? Explore the answer to that question and more in the Quanta book, Alice and Bob Meet the Wall of Fire, published by the MIT Press. Available now at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or your local bookstore.